Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. In 2005, two brothers hit the road to chase demons and fight monsters. After 15 years, they made television history and built a community of dedicated and lasting fans. I'm Rob Benedict. I played God, a.k.a. Chuck Shirley. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Archangel Gabriel, a.k.a. the Trickster, a.k.a. Loki. And in later years, I stepped behind the camera to direct a bunch of episodes. Though we've been involved with the series for years and multiple seasons, we never sat down and watched the entire show. Until now. Rob and I are going episode by episode, watching each and every one. And we're diving in with the folks who made the show to bring you an insider's point of view and some great behind-the-scenes stories from the writers, producers, crew, and actors. And along the road, we're becoming fans. We've heard you saying it for years, and we finally get what all the excitement is about. We'll definitely be hitting on some spoilers, so you better be watching with us or look out. This show holds up after all this time and deserves to be watched and rewatched. Thank you for joining our journey and listening to Supernatural Then and Now. everybody, it's Rob Benedict. And Richard Spade Jr. And we're talking about season four, episode five, Monster Movie. Which, by the way, if you say it like it's written on a script, it's 405, which reminds me of the freeway in Los Angeles, California, the 405. Yes. Great segue. Thank you. <laughs> Into the Valley. You know, Great. if we looked at the first episode of this series and got to this episode of this series, we'd be taking the 101 to the 405. I was going to say, I haven't felt this way since the pilot. The 101. Or I guess there's also uh, season 10, episode one. Oh, but that'd be 1001, because isn't it 1001? All right, don't be all. I mean, I just, can you guess and me? I just try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading from a script here when I say, so excited to be here. But you are excited to be here, because I can see the twinkle in your eye. I absolutely am. Um, you know what else, else I'm excited about? That we finally launched some merch. Merch. Our members on Patreon get an early chance at it, so if you're interested in perks like these, please consider joining. We want to keep this podcast going to the end of Season 15. That's our goal. I tell you, we want to see you wearing that swag, too. Wear it yeah. loud, wear it proud. Show the world that you're a Supernatural Then and Now listener. Yeah, come see us at these conventions that we do all over the country and uh, show us your merch. Or just take a picture and post it on social media and hashtag us. That's how it works, right, Rich? So I've read. Robbie! Why don't you do that thing you do where off the top of your head you summarize the entire episode? Okay. We go into black and white. Ooh. Sam and Dean arrive in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania to investigate what they think will be a pretty black and white hunt. Hey, Robbie, that's clever. Uh, Right, right. A vampire. They pose as FBI agents, visit the local sheriff, and investigate the body of a recent victim. She has two clean fang bite marks on her neck. Not the kind of vampire damage the boys are used to seeing. No, sir. So they head to a beer garden to interview a named witness, Ed Brewer. 
funny that it's a beer garden and his last name is Brewer. Brewer, yeah. He describes the classic <laughs> Dracula vampire from the 1930 films, Fang, Cape, Accent. The brothers consider skipping the case, but stick around a little longer. Dean has his eye on a local barmaid, Jamie. Mm. Meanwhile, a young man and woman are making out in a car when suddenly they are attacked by a wolf man, hair and all. The sheriff arrives with evidence of wolf hair. Sam makes the blunt observation, this is stupid. Back at the beer garden, Dean is making plans with Jamie. Bed damn bro- right he is. Yeah. <laughs> the brothers hear that the night watchman at the museum is called in, confused about the delivery of a sarcophagus. As the watchman is on the phone, the ancient crypt opens and a mummy comes out and kills him. Sam and Dean go to investigate the scene of the crime and find out that the sarcophagus is from a prop house. May I say that that mummy is very cool looking, like just from a makeup and hair standpoint or, you know, I guess no hair, but it's well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dean hurries back to make his date with Jamie. When he gets there, she is cornered by Dracula. Dean fights Dracula, saving Jamie, but in the process rips off Dracula's ear. Sam and Dean conclude that they're dealing with a shapeshifter. Maybe that's why Dracula always wears a cap to protect his That's what it is. It keeps his ears on. Sam suspects Ed and goes to investigate. Dean and Jamie talk and end up kissing, only to be interrupted by Jamie's friend Lucy. The three of them are having a drink when Dean realizes he and Jamie have been drugged and that Lucy must be the shapeshifter. Dean comes to and he's wearing lederhosen and is strapped to a table in a scientist's basement, similar to the scene from Frankenstein. Dracula appears, tells Dean this monster movie will end differently and he will be victorious. Suddenly, Dracula is interrupted by a pizza delivery. Dracula takes the pizza to Jamie to have dinner. While he is explaining his backstory to Jamie, Sam arrives, breaks into the house, and rescues Dean. The brothers battle Dracula, but Jamie ends up firing the deadly shot from the pistol with silver bullets. Jamie and Dean share a kiss and say goodbye. Hey, question. Yeah. Is Are we to, to believe that that the Dracula is also the mummy and also the Wolfman. Yeah, he's shape shifting into all these different uh, old timey monsters because he's an old timey monster movie fan. And so, do you think that the actor who played Dracula, Todd Stashwick, do you think he was actually played that uh, mummy? No, I doubt it. It didn't look like Todd. I mean, Todd's a bigger dude than that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got the sense they probably just had stunt guys come in and do that. So I, you know, maybe they made Todd the hands of the Wolfman, but it seems unlikely. Right. They, I think they would have. Just had the stunt guys do it. And so Lu- so he was Lucy, too. The shapeshifter's yeah, also Lucy. exactly. Yeah, okay. he was Lucy. And do you think that was Todd as Lucy? <laughs> I do. That, okay. that one I do think was um, She was cool. Well, like, uh, Lucy, like, made her jaw look all j- jacked up and then, like, popped it back into place. So that was neat. Yeah, that was weird. So good. Such a good episode. Home run. You can see why people love this episode. I, I love the idea that... You know, that they go into this genre and completely stick with it, committed to the end. Oh, my God. There's so much that's great about this episode. It is so clever. Keep in mind, I know everybody's seen this and it's been talked about. But if you're just, I mean, imagine watching this in real time, Rob. The week before, you watched some very heavy, hard-hitting Supernatural episode. And now you're, you know, wrapped up in your blanket, ready for this week's episode. And on come those credits. You're like, what are we seeing? Like, it's so dramatically different. It's such a departure and it's so successful. It could have been such a turd. These are real risks this show took. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. You have no idea. And and just to completely switch the genre, you know, go full into this. I love the, the intermission and the, the closing opening and closing credits, the music, the music's unbelievable and how it's shot. Not just Bob Singer who directed the lights off this thing. I mean, like, 
good. Greg so many shots. Off. It's, it's so yeah. clever. The the wipes, the transitions. Bob was on his finest form for this episode. Yes. But also, I don't know how Sarah's like, did they decide, oh, it's black and white, so we're going to light a certain way? Because it had a whole different vibe. You don't just, I, I'd i love to know what Sarah's comment on this, but I don't think you just, you know, shoot it like normal and flip a switch calling it black and white in the edit bay. You know, I think you, you like this for black and white. You create a black and white vibe for this whole shoot. It had to be a whole thing that Sayers took on and and the, the gaffers and grips took on. It, it's a team effort to make this thing awesome. Yeah, and they must have. They must have. But yeah, you're right. And the when they, they zoom in really... Yeah, that's sort of like that close-out fade that goes into yeah. the circle. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, which reminded me of actually of the of uh, Young Frankenstein, the, the takeoff on, they, on the... They use all those tropes for that too. I mean, the yeah, Young Frankenstein, exactly. which is a Mel Brooks movie, a spoof yeah. of the of that monster uh, movie genre does yeah. all those same things, same kind of wipes, same yeah. kind of close-ups and yeah. lingering moments on shadow play and all that stuff. I have to say, I've, I've watched that movie so many times. I've watched that movie more than the actual movies it's it's uh, pretending to be. Uh, uh, yes, 100%. So good. And we have to give a minute of t- a total respect to the actress Todd Stashwick, who was so great. So perfect. So he, he just nails it. It's so great. I mean, he's just perfect in this whole experience, you know? He's yeah. just unbelievable. Perfect casting. Todd's such an entertaining performer anyway. Yeah. And then he was able to deliver the very difficult job of being hilarious and then also heartbreaking and then also scary. Scary, <laughs> you know? yeah. So funny. So many funny bits. The pizza part, I I, I gotta just say, yeah. I love that pizza part. Yeah. When he like curls away, like, does it have garlic? <laughs> like, did you order garlic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, I have a coupon. It's so, it's just great. <laughs> and then the moments that he chooses to not have the accent too, you know? Yeah, those are great. And then the other, yeah. the other thing is what we're talking about that he, he, you know, he'll do the dramatic flap of the cape around his face, but then yeah. like have to jog away. <laughs> like, because <laughs> he can't like turn into a bat. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. Uh, well, let's get into it. We're already yeah. halfway into it, but let's get into it. It's time for... Arr, arr, ah, we should do the Dracula. It's time for Arr, 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 Rich, Rich Review. <laughs> we just turned into bats. Uh, I don't know. If I, just, I hope, should, by the way, I hope Trey gives us a little creepy organ behind that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, please. Uh, should we, we should probably just take that and put it before what we just said, because we just did our whole review, didn't no, we? No, we were, oh. we were half, we were half-baked, half-baked. Okay. Now we're really into it. I want to get into thing. I know you loved this episode. I loved this episode. You'd have to, you'd have to be a monster not to like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I feel like you probably, I knew immediately watching this episode that you must have really connected to the Ed Brewer character. <laughs> Am yeah. I right? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah. Do you know why? You know how I knew that? Uh, why? Because because he likes to sneak around in the dark and play with an organ. <laughs> Did you wake up in the middle of the night last night? And you're like, oh yeah, this is good. And just write that down. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good stuff. Man. That was good stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did relate to him. Um, yeah, that guy was great too. That actor was awesome. He was great. It was yeah. great. Everybody, the the main actresses of the story were great. Both, Everybody both the great. barmaids, yeah, and uh, and Dean just horny as hell. Oh my god, he's the he's the Rob Benedict of that show. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. 
Yeah, he's. Uh, it's, I love those little like character bits with both the, those guys. Like, you oh know, my god, he's so always hungry, hungry and horny. Yeah, man, it's really, really funny. Just well done all all around. Uh, again, stylistically, such a departure, such a brave and dangerous attempt at, at doing a, a, a different kind of show, I, and it just nailed it on every level. It could have been. A, yeah. I mean, again, I know I said this. It could have been a massive catastrophe. Uh, it really it could have been. Yeah. It works yeah. so well. Yeah, and part of that reason is, uh, you know, it's from the mind of Ben Edlund, who uh, is yeah, ben so good at walking that in between, you know, I mean, he's famous for The Tick, you know, which is, it's adventure and comedy at the same time. It's superhero and comedy. I mean, this is like monster movie and comedy. He's so great in this that kind of genre. Yeah. All right, so what are you, uh, what are you giving it? I'm giving it a Wolfman. Ah, <laughs> a Lon Chaney Wolfman. Yes, hair everywhere on the head, off the face, hair every like you take a stapleton and glue it all over your head. Wow, your Transylvania accent sounds a lot like your Italian accent. It's a very close to my um, <laughs> South American accent as well. <laughs> uh, I will give mine a Teen Wolf Ow! beard. A the Michael J. Fox or the lame CW series version? Uh, the Michael J. Fox. Nice. Although there's also Teen Wolf 2 with Jason Bateman. But Let's I'm gonna go with it, one. I'm going to go with the, the, the Michael J. Fox. The original Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf, which, by the way, was made before he made Back to the Future, but released after. Oh, yeah? I did not know that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it that and uh, just just a home run with this one. And uh, a home run, a home run. Um, yeah, just can't say enough good things about it. Super fun, and it's the reason we love Supernatural. So great, yeah. Oh, my god. Well, speaking of genius, which we are not, <laughs> we I don't think we were, yeah, we are not. We are not. Ta- ta- I'm just talking about speaking of the genius that wrote this episode, we've right. got him on the episode today. Uh, it's Ben Edland, our friend who created The Tick and has written and produced for such series as Angel, Revolution, Firefly, and Gotham. Uh, plus, after that interview, we're going to have Jay Gruska, who's going to share some insights on the fantastic music for this. Yeah, we, we didn't even talk about that. The music is unbelievable. I'm so glad we have Jay because it's, again, like the style of shooting, it's unlike anything the show had ever done before. Absolutely. Completely different style of score, and Jay just crushed it. Yeah, 100%. I can't wait to talk to him. But first, here's Ben Edlin. Hi, Ben. Hi, guys. Thank you for joining us again. My pleasure. It's lots of fun. Yeah, this is a particularly great episode. And, you know, again, iconic Supernatural episode. Uh, always in the top 10 of people's favorites. Are you a classic monster movie fan or were you before you wrote this? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was a uh, subject. Is that it? I was I was subjected to them without like any choice because of, in my region, it was Channel 56, Creature Feature. <laughs> and that yes. was like 1 p.m. after you, you know, kind of navigated your personal schedule of the Saturday morning television options which were cartoons you get dumped into this world of candle pin bowling and golf until 1 p.m this is the diary of a child raised by television right sure Uh um and then at 1 p.m you had creature feature in our case which had a great cut opening with godzilla 
you know, just blasting did the creature feature. Anyway, it delivered every universal horror movie, every hammer horror movie, all of the whole thing, which uh, made me, it put it into the fabric of my, what I felt like narrative was. So when we were playing around with that and we were starting to arrive at the idea of a full-on tribute to that sort of thing. Uh, I would say my understanding of and love for it probably pales in comparison to Bob Singer. Who, oh, yeah? Just in terms of, like, he took that ball and just, he just forest gumped it right out of the, the arena in terms of, like, when you look at how he directed it. Yeah. And you look at just oh, yeah. these sort of moments of, like, you get reminded of how much time they took to build up Tension. And you see like these shots that just crawl toward the museum or toward the car, you know, that track a shadow. And yeah, it was a great sort of combination of trying to find in the tropes on the writing side and then in the sort of the language of that particular channel of cinema. Right. Was it was it always by design to be shot in that way, in that manner? Meaning, did was it in your script? It was like this is a black and white episode. Yes, I mean, I think we were. We wanted the concept was classic monsters. Essentially, like the challenge had laid around in the writers' kind of uh, room of like, can we do some kind of classic monsters thing that isn't stupid, that isn't mm-hmm. uh, just some spell makes them real, you know? And they go, oh, it's the mummy. You know, like, uh, like uh, instead, can it somehow be part of and come only from this universe and still? So that was like a, a head scratching puzzle on a conceptual level that we started to solve. I honestly forget if uh, if it was me. Uh, let's just say it was me. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do it. It must have been. It been. If I can't remember it being anyone else. Uh, no, but uh, in terms of like the particular linchpin solution, which is like, can we have a deranged shapeshifter? who wants to live in that world, who is the person creating the tribute in real life. And then Supernatural is a show that really wanted to kind of push that edge of how far a tribute would go. And then does the entire universe fold around that tribute as it brings that story to the viewer, who in a later episode, I I equated directly with God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we bring this little tribute to you viewer uh but like uh yeah that sort of uh that was the challenge and then kind of like doing that thing where you go through the pov of the villain essentially and like he's a very successful villain in that he creates this whole little movie it's a if you really examine it he's the weirdest and uh dumbest figment (laughs) <laughs> you know because yeah. what he's just so much work he's his yeah. own he's his own pa he's his own roadie <laughs> right. he's his own like craft services he's running yeah. around making a movie and yeah. nobody's watching it except for the camera of supernatural right and we're uh giving we're according it tremendous respect but apart from that you would only get one little piece of it you would get your sides for the day and then get murdered you're like well mm-hmm. and they'd be like what was that yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know what I thought you did really well? And, and oh. First of all, it's such a great episode. I mean, I, I echo what Rob said. It's just fantastic. From what you wrote to how Bob Singer shot it, it's just phenomenally well 
yeah. done and how Todd Patrick. played the main guy, you know, the, yeah. the Dracula character. He was so perfect. Oh, yeah, so good. Patrick was awesome. And that's what I was going to say is like you gave that character that extra little third dimension of he was he was the kid you described isolated by his dad, lost in that world. And yeah. so that's the world he brought to life. You know, that's where he found peace as a kid. So that's where he now finds peace as an adult, even though what he's doing is dark. He doesn't see it as dark. You know, he's like, oh, I was treated like a freak. I was told I was a monster. So now I get to be the monsters I always wanted to be. It's just so well done. I mean, like, yeah. you feel, you feel <laughs> yeah. your heart goes out to him in that sequence. It goes absolutely yeah. out to him in that sequence. I think that's also very much Todd, who just, mm. you know, it's great when some someone sort of their laser locks on your target, in a mm. sense. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, you gave yeah, a great yeah. target. I mean, yes, I'm not evading praise. It. Far be it for me <laughs> to evade praise. Uh, no, uh, yeah, that was part of a solution that made it acceptable. You had to believe in this guy to some degree. Somewhere there had to be a reality, a psychological reality to what he was trying to accomplish. And I thought that worked pretty well. The economy of like, Getting hit with a shovel by your dad. <laughs> That's never cool. You know, the no, first time you rarely. hear the word monster, it's from your dad. Like, a, a very, right. uh, you know, you're you're plucking very big, the bottom strings of the piano. Right. Uh, you're hitting the low notes, and it works yeah. to to justify all of the theatricality. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or That was our attempt. Sorry. When you talked about Todd Stashwick. Was Stashwick an offer, or did you guys audition Stashwick? Did, 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 was he a friend of the show who got offered that job, or did he read for it? I know that he was like in that pool of people who, if he hadn't been used for a very tiny role and we were using him again, it was like he, the eyes were on him. But uh, I don't recall specifically casting-wise. He wasn't in my mind when I was writing. That's not necessarily a particularly good uh, meter of whether or not he was, for example, in Kripke's mind or something. Right. There's so many funny uh, elements to this episode, too, like Dracula escaping on the scooter. Might be one of my favorite moments. <laughs> Dude, that made me laugh. Yeah, I'm like, little what yeah. is that? That was a great after Black. That one, and I think there's a microwave ding from the, the, the Fight the Fairies episode. Just the ones when you can do a little yeah. sound effect after the cut to black and you get like yeah. a laugh. Yeah. Was yeah. it that? Was it on the? Uh, I don't know. If, are we there yet? Not have we have we seen that episode? I don't remember the microwave bit, but I know the the scooter bit's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, the, the scene with the pizza the guy coupon. is laugh out loud funny. Isn't he amazing? Yeah, he's great too. too. He's like the pizza guy's great. So yeah. real. Like uh, his his sort of I have no time for this, and this isn't like a thing I'm going to tell somebody yeah. about later. This is just getting in the way of my. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so well done. It's such a, also, because Todd doesn't let go of the Dracula oh, thing. He's like, oh, no, no. Uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I love too that just you go all in with the genre. Like the intermission is fantastic. Oh my god, so great! Uh, and then even yeah. the closing credits. This shapeshifter has really changed the whole the format of Supernatural, which I think is an interesting. Yeah, which was really fun. And the opening, I thought, was really effective in that way with the yeah. music. The music is really beautifully handled, of course. We're going to talk to know. Jay after this yeah. and uh, Jay Greska. Yeah, oh, good. And, uh, talk about that. Yeah, it really is the other part of that. Um, I'm glad that came up organically because yeah. the music <laughs> <laughs> is like really yeah. one of the very important sort of uh, trunks of that yeah. tree growing up through and really creating all of the effects. Because every time 
we're in one of those slow approaches to the source of tension. It's the music that is taking us finally to that place that is the sort of the fullness yeah. of a tribute where you really feel like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing in it where you're like, oh, yeah, this is a, a CW show. You know what I mean? It really does feel nope. like. Rent. Nope. No, man, it's so clever. I mean, I, I know Rob just hit, said it, but the opening credits, I mean, immediately you're somewhere else doing something uh -huh. else. It's just so Oh, awesome. no, it's so much fun. And uh, uh, or that little flash, this was, I think, I'm not sure. It, it was Bob or possibly Phil or something. Or uh, it wasn't me. I know it wasn't me. Maybe one of the other fine editors uh, there. But like uh, when it goes, the lightning flash and it goes from Pennsylvania to yes, Pennsylvania. Yes, that's great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Then you really know. I like that because it's like this. Uh, it's the opposite of the guy on the road who goes, don't go to that haunted yeah, house. Right. Like it's going like you're going to have yes. fun. You know, it just goes, Ch -ch -ch. Yeah. right. This will be fun, among yeah. other things. And, and, um, and, you know, we talked about that, you know, there, there aren't, there are just a few moments where the shape, the creature is, is actually scary. Well, one is where he shouts, you know, put on the gown to the girl. And yes. I, I thought that that was terrifying. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Really cool. Nice turn by Todd. Yeah. Really scary and really uh, interesting because it's also right at that moment where you're starting to feel for him. As we were talking about, it's like, it's in that period where we're going, all right, we're going to understand and humanize the element of this monster that can bring the audience in closer and make them kind of go like, oh, oh, I can see the little kid in there. And then there's this like monstrousness. And, you know, he's just so deranged. <laughs> like he's so hopelessly deranged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I would love to see your yeah, original script because I, you know, I'd love to see how, because... Like, did you sort of keep that sort of character within your, the stage directions and things like that as well? You know, the, 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 the flavor uh, of what this, you know, what we're seeing in, in the black and white and the, in the, and even the acting. I mean, yeah, I like all of the things, the pieces were there. Those turns were built into the scene. That was a, you know, what I'm describing now is like post game going like, yeah, that, that play right. worked. Right. 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 <laughs> right. And we got the ball where we yeah. wanted to get it. I really don't know why I would get, get involved. In sports <laughs> sports. But that's the I way mean, the I'm play, not, that's the way the play was drawn up. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So yeah. it works. It yeah. works for me uh, in my platonic world of sports. <laughs> platonic world of sports. <laughs> it's, it's all perfect and ideated. Um, uh, so that was built in as a strategy. And then, you know, the fact that they were in a fake basement with paper mache walls and that he had put Dean into lederhosen were all elements that I had, Dude, you know, I mean, wanted this to be like, oh, he's creating every part of this. It's so great. I mean, it's so funny that he's suddenly in lederhosen. And then when he goes for the handle, and it's like 30 seconds yes. of him reaching for the handle. You go, really? What are you doing? What is anybody doing? Uh, and oh, that God. gets interrupted by pizza. I know. And then the fact that you know, the walls are easy to kick in because they're all just sets. Yes. Poor Sam was like a moose in a ch in a paper mache store. He was like everything he kicked would fall away yeah. immediately. Then he kicks his way yeah. through the door and he can't. Yeah, you know. So yeah, that was yeah. there, but there to be unlocked for for real. That was cool. Uh, yeah. Unlocked. It was. It's very typical of the kind of thing that works very well on Supernatural. The kind of thing that to me is 
the vein I like to be in, which is comedy that you take so seriously for no reason, or like it's the seriousness with which you put it forth. Mm. You know, every aspect of the vision is actually very considered, but at the, at, there's still this really dumb, you know, you're, it's a river of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's sort of mounted with this tremendous seriousness. And there's something about all of that that um, I find really pleasing. And that was a really beautiful example of that yeah. form. Uh, and everyone operating at the top of their game, yeah. I think, in that moment to bring yeah. it forward. Well, it's like you said, you're going for the comedy, but the comedy is 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 a house built on a solid foundation because it's it, the, the heart and the story are there. Like the yeah. jokes are great. But they, at no point do they overtake what we discover to be the underlying story of the episode. That's what makes it work. Which it's is, not just goofy for goofy's sake. I appreciate that. And it's crazy because you've also got like, I always think of this poor fellow. Uh, I mean, he was splendid and, and I'm sure he's doing fine. But I always think of him as not Ethan Hawke. <laughs> but the guy who's the yes the, the victim uh he's so fantastic wait which one the organ player the organ player who saw todd in an unshot scene he's like he saw the shapeshifter kill right. somebody as dracula and so he, he is, did look like ethan hawk too i was just like oh my god that was great and he's so oh commits, yeah. but he's He's like both that weird guy you could meet in the bar, but he's so yes. over the top that like in any other episode, he would have taken yes. it. No, that guy was know? great. And somehow right. in this suspension and in black and white and as this like, you know, a Dracula medallion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that guy was great. Um, yeah. Amazing. And that he, you know, ends up, playing an organ in a theater in his underwear. And this is part of, you know, like a uh, uh, sort of the look at the shiny object audience kind of um, drawing the attention over here so that you're not seeing this like building suspense between these three. Right. Quietly speaking people at a right. bar. Right. That had a, a, a tonal range that was really happy. We arrived at a happy place through everybody's i think excellence yeah because there's nuance in there that i would have dreamed about and wanted to see or didn't even have in my plan that was de delivered by uh, other people can you imagine not me <laughs> not me um it isn't a production question but was it intended to air near halloween it ended up airing near halloween was that on purpose yeah or i think just... we shifted its order somewhat as we were to make it more of a halloween mm. airing because it was very clearly sort of in celebration of the celebration of sure. those ideas so right 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 yeah and i remember i because it was a kind of an it's an early episode to be that whimsical and out of the box when you think in terms of the flow. Maybe I'm wrong right. in that, but like, I mean, that was like a nutty episode in a season that was building up to some very heavy. Yeah. Shit, yeah. You know, right. And, and it, when you think in terms of the order of operations, like it carries some of the angst Dean has coming out of hell and some of the sense of rebirth or, you know, a mission. And you're like, you have to carry that, which I was happy to have because it would have floated away without it um, in the context of the other episodes. But I think actually we aggressively put it forward in order to meet 
that Halloween, if I recall, only by a few episodes, but like the effort was there to try and make it work so that we could capitalize on everyone's happy jack-o'-lantern feeling. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Makes um, sense. There's a camera revealing a banner advertising Oktoberfest, and it lists Happy Schnapps Combo as entertainment. And the Happy Schnapps Combo <laughs> is a real polka band from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, uh, I'm told. Is that, that How do we know this, by the way? Who the hell are the Happy well, Schnapps? Well, they're, they're a real polka band from Wisconsin. This is amazing. Uh, is that, is, are you aware of that? This you, is amazing. I, uh, well, I can't help but hear the words you say, and now I, I function as aware uh -huh, of uh -huh. that. No, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you have, I was not aware of that. My guess, my personal guess, is that comes from Jerry Wanick sure. or John. Yeah. And it's like, because they're up there pretty close to- And Jerry's from Wisconsin. Gotta be. Yeah, so like, it, like, it just screams right. Jerry Wanick. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, oh, well, it's got to be something on the banner. Let's, let's, you know, it's probably his band. Are we sure he's not he in that could be. He could We're be. not sure. Yeah. We are not sure. Nice move, Yeah, exactly. Jerry. Smooth. <laughs> Smooth. Uh, thank you so much for your time, man. Always awesome. Cool. Um, thank you, guys. You know, we'll see you again and we'll do it again. Yeah, it was fabulous. Thanks, Ben. All right, more later. Cheers, buddy. Just hold that thought. We're coming right back. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. A place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead. Yet with guidance, you will face them head-on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit SeekAnomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. 
Seek Anomaly. Hear its magic. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. And now back to the episode. Well, that was great. Ben is always such a treat to have on. Such a genius. I just, you know, at some point we have to stop doing our outros with the phrase, well, that was great. Because I feel like every time. And you know, but you know why they're all great. I know, but ironically, this time it actually is written on the script. That was great. But it was great. So we'd we'd take back nothing. Uh, Ben Edlin is always a cool interview, man. He's just an interesting dude, cool guy, fascinating. artistic individual. What a great uh, interview he always And you know, had. as an aside, I had the treat the other day. I uh, went over to his house and hung out for a little bit and he is awesome. And his house is amazing. It's like a museum of trinkets and collectibles. And Oh my God. I can only imagine. Yeah, he's a genius. Uh, but we're, He must have a lot of tick stuff, eh? Yeah, he's got a lot of tick stuff and he's got just a lot of random sort of, you know, things, little collections of things, you know, Japanese toys and, and places, things from all over the world that he's collected. That's really, really A lot cool. of sci-fi stuff. Yeah. But you know what? It's We're not through with our interview. We were so impressed by this episode and by the score that we had to invite our buddy Jay Gruska back to the podcast. Mr. Gruska. He most recently wrote the score for the Winchesters, but was, of course, half of the composing team for Supernatural. And here he is back with us again, Jay Gruska. We're so excited you can be part of this uh, conversation, man. I'm thrilled to do it because I don't know what season, what season was this? Four. In? Four. Still one of the most memorable moments for me just because it was so outside the realm musically, everything, the black and white aspect and and Bob doing such a great job of sort of capturing that. So that the old uh, horror films of the universal. The look yeah. of it. And I... You know, I did what I think a lot of composers do, having never written in particularly in that style before. Hey, I'm just launching in. Does that matter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, this is great. No, this is great. Yeah. This is what we're here for. You know, I, I sort of immersed for a couple of days in, you know, the, the guys of that era, Wolfgang Korngold, Dmitry Tiomkin, uh, Max Steiner, Bernard Herrmann. He did all the Hitchcock movies. You know, not quite the same as the Frankenstein sort of thing, but the 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 tone of all that was I just sort of listened for a few days and then like like anything, you just let that wash into you and, and use your voice towards it. But I did not see humanity for eight days. Ah, really? I did and, and you know, look, we were always given around a week, maybe seven, eight days on those scores. Yeah. But I would uh, on a normal score see my family or have a meal with someone. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't the case right. in this. Uh, I, I am not surprised, man, because it's a complete reinvention of everything we'd ever heard out of yeah. you from the show. Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And and that's I think that's what was thrilling. And I think you guys as creatives and actors and writers, I think you get it. Sometimes you get pushed into an, a little area and you, and you discover some shit about yourself that... Uh, that you know you didn't you didn't know was there and uh but it was just great fun and um i gotta say one quick thing that was so cool kripke came you know it was bob uh who was very happy i yeah he was very happy but 
Kripke came to the, the playback and he just turned to me and I mean, I don't want to misquote him, but here's what I heard. I heard him say to me, that is one of the best scores for TV show I've ever heard. Wow. Wow. Uh, and, and it just, you know, I still get goosebumps and I might be, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm inflating that too much. Um, no, and, uh, and I and I'm pretty sure he was talking to me, but um, <laughs> but um, it was wonderful. The so, whole experience. So was great! Wonderful. What a great so, assignment for you as well. You know what? A, what a treat! Now, when you you named those composers, are those all besides the one you said specifically was Hitchcock? Are the other two where they did all the the Universal monster movies? Oh my God! You know, I would I, I would have to look it up because I wasn't specific to necessarily the universal monster right. movies, but I'll bet you if we looked it up, one of those names is going to pop right. up multiple times. Right. I just kind of st- just spent a couple days just hearing that style of writing, right. which is so different than contemporary film scoring, both har- harmonically, right. melodically, texturally, just very different, you know, uh, has a very European Promatic sensibility mm. and schmaltzy right. and over the top. Yeah, and who who's a better yeah, call man. for that? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mister really Schmaltzy and over the top reminded me of Young Frankenstein, which which of course is a send up uh, of those movies, and yeah, and and, and very schmaltzy, exactly. you know, and exactly it had that flavor to it. And you gotta you gotta you gotta think that. Since it was the first, these guys invented film scoring, that group, along with Alfred Newman and a a couple of others. And so it wasn't schmaltzy when they did it. It was the beginning of the style and the, the, you know, the approach. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to ask. So let me ask you this. Those names that you listed. Are those names that you knew before you got the I assignment? I think most film composers are going to recognize those, if not all of those names, a handful, because they're they're the the, the forefathers of the art form. They just okay. are. Okay. And, and, and to your point, you talked about like, well, we can look at a young Frankenstein or at this episode of Supernatural and go, oh, there's a sort of a kitsch element to it. But it's not kitsch for the oh. original gangsters. I mean, it, it's, it, it was them being honest. And one of the things really I think you point. nailed here... Yeah, and I never, I never felt like you were doing a send up, and I think that's what made it work. I think what you did was, if I had, dude, if you had airlifted your score and put it on a Frankenstein, black white Frankenstein movie, it would have that worked was, just as well. That was, I mean, in the back of my sensibility, and and I didn't lift anything. That was just me reinterpolating uh, yes. a style and an and an approach, and obviously it, it existed somewhere in my bones. But um, no, that's a that's a that's a high compliment. I I appreciate that. Well, I think I think uh, it's it's a, a yeah. achievement what you pulled off for this episode of TV, knowing that you did it in a TV schedule. So I have to ask because th- and this will get a little into the fundamentals of how you do your job, but when. Was all of this composed and recorded by you? Did you use any extra orchestration? I did all the orchestration, but in terms of just to be semantically appropriate to your question, I used musicians. You did. I used three. So so that's why I wasn't curious if you did, if you were like, you know, it's an ignorant question, but I wasn't sure how much that was you. Um, I, I play keyboards, as you know, but I still called in, of, of a great keyboard player reader to do some celeste 
and um, I'm trying to think some some harp faking and cello, right? Violin, cello, um, a second keyboard player, and a woodwind player ah. who, who oh, yeah, okay. doubles on you know flute, clarinet, oboe, other things, non instrumental things that you blow into for effect. But that that would have that is something that I did much more in other supernatural scores because in that older style, it was just orchestra. Yeah, they 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 they, right. they weren't yet particularly taking advantage of, you know, other than something called prepared piano, which was a big scary device in those olden days where you would where you would lay coins or paper clips or other things on the piano strings. And when you played the piano, went because of the resonance of the thing vibrating on the strings. And it's called prepared piano. Oh, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Oh, man. Wow. Oh, dude. Some deep reverb. That's terrifying. the, The monster is there, you know. Oh, that's that's so awesome. So now I'm scared (laughs) of this podcast. So same idea, guys, with with piano. You would press the sustain pedal so that the hammers would Mm -hmm. lift up and it would resonate. But whatever material was in there that would cling, clang around was just, you know. Wow, wow. Those days, otherworldly. So that, that was called prepared piano. But anyway, so I used that in the score, too. That's fantastic. I and and I'm going to ask another sure. fundamental question. Just forgive me. But when you're bringing in your your string players, yeah, are they coming to your home studio? Or are you guys going to an outside studio? No, uh, I, I uh, the only time we went to outside studio on Supernatural was like uh, Scooby Natural was an orchestra at Capitol, and then a couple of other episodes where there were ten or twelve people. When it was two, three, four people for the pretty much the whole run of Supernatural, they okay. came to my studio. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's such an interesting so challenge you had. And and I have to ask, because we always gloss over things and say, and it was great. What a challenge. What a thrill. At any point, did you see this thing delivered to your desk and go, are you guys high? I can't do this in seven days. Like, Bob, you've lost your lunch. Like, was there ever any moment of, of can I pull this off? Yeah, can I make this happen? Uh, that happens every time out. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then exactly. once you get that first puzzle or two solved, whether it's a rhythmic puzzle, a harmonic puzzle, a melodic puzzle, a tonal puzzle, that starts the you know you're so then you're you know you're climbing the roller coaster and then you know and then you're just uh, going along and yeah. and then you know that other muscle that we've all learned which is this has to be done by Thursday. Right. So, so that creates right. an interesting environment occasionally of, oh, I'm not going to have the luxury of being in love with every minute of this right. music if I've got X amount of time, right. clock ticking. But I will say that I defied that for myself by just basically not sleeping that week. Yeah. Wow. Uh, just because I was so into it because it was so different. Yeah. I had never done anything like that and obviously never since. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, not right. that this matters, right. but was it nominated for anything? Cause it certainly could no. have been, should have been. No, I, 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 you know, we, we, we put it up. I mean, yeah, no, it, it, 
CW never really gets the attention that it deserves, especially Supernatural. I mean, so many of these episodes we've seen, we're like, this is as, this is as good, if not better, of anything else on TV. And you know what I mean? It just doesn't get the oh, acclaim it. I think it deserved. Somehow that's somehow that's agreed that that was true, but you know, made up for by that beautiful long run. Yeah, I guess absolutely. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then yeah. there was a polka uh element to this <laughs> yes. oh uh that that was needle drop okay that was needle drop i think they were either in the bar or they were out with out in the, in the sort of october fest yes. ad- yes. atmosphere yes. that that was one right. needle drop i think i wrote everything but that so the needle drop when you say needle drop you you mean pre, pre-recorded piece of music right that you yes. just write, right yes Thank you for right, yeah. clarifying that. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then w- another great thing about this episode is you have op- the opening credits, which are great, and the closing credits, amazing. And then you get an intermission. <laughs> intermission. So, I mean, Man. when does that happen? Yeah. That was, just the whole Never. thing was so interesting and fun. And I'll give you another little tidbit that, that came from in that end credit thing. My system isn't up, but there's a little ounce of the thematics that in retrospect, like a few days later, and I pointed out to Bob and he went, oh yeah, it's not a lift, but it's a homage somehow to the main title theme of the Lucy show. That's hilarious. You accidentally created that homage. Well, it's obviously not not close enough to get sued. Yeah. But that somehow, I don't know. That's where I drifted. A subconscious nod, perhaps. Exactly. Wow. Which somehow That's works awesome. too. It's it's all in that sort of era, and it's true. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a fun episode that way. You know, it's not all just super serious. Oh yeah, no. I I think you guys said appropriately that I just tried to be. You know how like the rule is: don't try to be funny with the music, right? You know that you know you you sort of play it right and hope that it so the whole combination yeah. of everything makes it a. Keeps the tongue in the chair. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, as actors too, right, like right, right. Rich and I played characters that did f- things that were funny, but our characters weren't trying to be funny. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You have to play the the seriousness. Yeah, yeah they were in, on the, in on the joke. Yeah, you know? Exactly. You have to play the seriousness of the, or, you know, the reality of the situation for for you or for whatever that character, no matter what that, that reality that, may be. You know. Exactly. No, that's a great point. The music was not in on the joke. Right. And that could that could have ruined it. Right. Oh, it, it yeah. would 100% ruined it because if we all spent, it, we being you guys doing the show, even Bob's direction. I'm So you and Bob had a, really were the two guys, you, you, Bob, and Todd Stashwick, the actor playing Dracula, were the three people really switching gears, right? Like big time. So if you, if Bob and you had spent a lot of time thinking about how clever you were, the whole episode would have Well, listen, I got to tell you, you know, with the first images, when I saw it, just the look of it, and it wasn't even fully colored yet. You know how we always get almost the right 
cut when I'm working to it. I'm not hearing ADR. I'm not hearing, you know, seeing the finished special effects, but the look of it and just right. the lenses he used, uh, you know what I mean? It was so, it was so inspiring oh, for just like, wow, this is the, this is the era. So it sort of really, in some ways made, made my job a little easier, you know? You know what I thought was but that's really, like when uh, you direct the show, Dick Spate. You know, no, wow. but seriously, you. you know, I mean, we've done two or three now. We've never spoken since our Winchester's uh, collaboration. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no, we haven't. You're right. You're right. I know. It's weird how that goes. Um, but you're very kind. I One of the things I thought Bob did that was so... That, that was just like nailed it was the transitions. You know, he would do those like the, just or the, period white, yeah, wipes or that and, like super. Yeah. Uh, when the, I don't know what you call it, Rich, but like when the the circle that goes in on the one on the face. Yes. You know that again. That yeah. reminded me of Young Frankenstein, yeah. which is a it's a good reference because Young Frankenstein, unlike other movies that he did, Young Frankenstein, he really did. They really did try to recreate that, like like you did with, for this episode. And it yeah, and it's funny. They, but they it's, nailed it. But, they and, nailed and it. Yeah, I've heard. Um, him talk about it um mel, mel brooks uh, mel uh and and just you know he was such a big fan of those movies that it was literally a yes. you know homage yeah. and uh yeah so, and they did those same yeah. transitions in that movie too um which which takes you there it takes you back to that and the black and white and all that it's so good it, that, that's still yeah, the greatest the greatest and funniest thing uh, ever for, perhaps one of my it's in my top 10 list of movies i could just watch over and over again it's so the yeah. uh yeah. the young frankenstein yeah you know it's, it, it you bring up i i grew up my parents showed me that movie yeah. and i watched it you know umpteen times after H- how is it showing a modern kid that i mean does it hold up i wonder my kids loved it that i mean and you know when we showed it to them when they were a little younger and they they loved it because comedy's comedy right i mean sh- sure this mm, i don't know man i remember my parents showing me some like it hot <laughs> <and me> going <laughs> <laughs> Mel Brooks, you know? Mel Brooks is like it's a different kind of comedy than some like it hot. Okay, but are you going to show them History of the World Part Two? I saw that's coming out in theaters, and I'm like, I can't take my kids to see History of the World Part. Like, I, I can't uh, do it. Yeah, like, I don't know, but you know, uh, this, this, I think this, you know, weird times. There's some. Yes, yes, yes. Remember what's her name pointing at the well hungness of <laughs> yes yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 yes. no 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 yeah madeline Kahn, yeah, yeah. just oh, another so madeline Kahn, a genius <laughs> well look i mean jay this is just such an unbelievable accomplishment and it's funny we i think steve arranged was like we're gonna we got to get jay for this episode and i always love having you on the show but we had we had been in yeah. with the writer and then we had Jay, and, and I was like, wow, I hadn't seen it yet. Then I How watched it, and I'm not? like, yeah. holy smokes. Like, it's like, it, it's, the music takes a whole different whole role different in this episode. Role. It just takes a whole different role. It, it sort of steps out from the sidelines and and is part of the main yeah. curtain call for the for the success of this one. It's really, you've got to be I, feeling I've never, like this I, was. I've never not been pr- proud of it. And, 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 you know, some of the... Some of those lovely supernatural fans over the, I don't I don't remember did a couple of little written interviews and and it's always it always just is a a wonderful um you know memory and kind of a one off in my life yeah which which also makes it kind of special kind of cool you know? yeah absolutely yeah, yeah yeah of course I mean I mean I'm sure you've been challenged in many many ways and and I got to say this could easily have been handled handed to somebody who who couldn't do it. It's so it, specific. It was pretty it's specific. Like giving a jazz score to somebody who's right. you know that's not their genre. Like it's right. a whole different genre. Right. 
you just yeah uh, crushed uh, it. thank you I, I really appreciate it and um I mean, I'm older than you guys, and I, you know, as a little kid, I saw, I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't a little kid in the 40s, uh, or even, you know, I was too young to see movies in the 50s, but, you know, just about ready to, you know, and, yeah. and when I, my mom was a big fan of them, so I would, I watched all those things, and I guess they, they made yeah. their way in there in, in some way, but like, like we touched on before, there was no such thing as being too schmaltzy or over the top. And what a freedom that created. Yeah. Because usually I'm just looking over my shoulder going, oh, wait, that, that's, that's, that's too corny yes. or that's, you know, yeah. so that, that didn't exist <laughs> yeah. here. It was awesome. Yeah. No, man, they get you at, you had freedom to run. Well, yeah. Jay, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to us. Uh, like Rich said, you're such a, such a reason this is such an uh, an iconic episode in the supernatural world. So thank you for, for talking to us, and we hope you come back and talk to us again. Oh, my God. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys so much, and I'll do this anytime. Right. Two hours notice. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Hey, there. This is Jensen. I hope you're enjoying the episode, uh, but we need to pull over for a second for some messages, and I got to take a leak. Hey guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game. And it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like... Dr. Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a PvP, player versus player mode, such as Alliance War or Real-Time Arena. So as we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six-year anniversary. So you know what that means, free stuff. Free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strife Force's most generous event to date. So don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user. So please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? What would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural? Maybe all the above. Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes the hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends. When people are faced with a choice, if I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now, and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy. Um about once a week. And it's just such a nice time for me to to have that 
free space to to try to figure out who I am really and what I really want and what makes me happy. It's super important and often neglected taking this time. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. So all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then, oh, get this, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy. That's what this is about. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash S-P-N-T-A-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash S-P-N-T-A-N. Thanks for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. Well, that was great. (laughs) (laughs) You did that on purpose. That was amazing. Love. Jay is always just so fascinating. What a what an interesting I mean, what an interesting skill set he has to be able to like switch genres. Yes. And do music that is, you know, yeah. completely unlike anything he'd been doing for the show. Maybe unlike he, he'd ever done before, period, because he wasn't, you know, he's not a hundred. Yes. And then poof, he nails it. And as we say, he's a mensch. He's the nicest he's guy. And uh I, I feel lucky to know him. Same. I, I feel lucky to know both of our interviews today. What an episode. You feel lucky to know them and cursed to know me. That's true. <laughs> uh, all right. Give us the theme for our next segment, Richard. Mythology. Wow. you. Uh, it's time yeah, oh. for mythology. Was, We're going to oh. tell some myths and learn about them. That's why the allergy is in there. It's time. <laughs> For mythology, and Robbie's gonna get us going right now. Ba-da-la-bop. Wow, that's the new, uh, the brand new mythology episode. I can't wait to hear you sing it again, just like that. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I'm reading right off the sheet music right here. So, <laughs> well, you said give us the theme, so I thought I should. I know, love it. After all that talk about Jay Gresko, we should. I know. It's, beef it, it up. It's great homage to Gresko. Yeah. Gruskaj. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, mythology, classic Universal monster movies. From the 1920s to the 1950s, Universal Studios was the number one studio for horror films worldwide. It started with The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 1923, starring Lon Chaney, but grew to include titles such as Dracula, The Mummy, The Phantom of the Opera, The Invisible Man, The Wolf Man, and The Creature from the Black Lagoon, as well as lesser-known titles like Paula the Ape Woman, The Creeper, and The Spider Woman. I definitely don't remember Paula the Ape Woman. No? <laughs> but, I will, but I will tell you this. My interest is peaked. <laughs> I love that it's Paula. I, I feel like it would be scary if it were like, you know, I don't know, Dorothy the Ape Woman or <laughs> Lorraine the Ape Woman. But Paula. Lorraine or Lorraine of Terror. Uh, but it was, uh, it's, nonetheless, I remember my, my uh, mom, my parents had a book when I was a young kid that had pictures from all these movies. It was a book on old horror movies and it scared the crap out of me um dude isn't it funny how those old images scared me too yeah and you look back at them now they couldn't be less scary i know but there was something about it maybe just as a kid even the black and white like to me one of the the the, and this isn't mentioned here because it's not a universal movie maybe but nosferatu scared oh well that's just scariest because that's he's got the fangs and the fingernail he looked like a classical guitar player Uh. (laughs) no uh, offense to all the classical guitar players out there (laughs) Oh. With those creepy fingernails? <laughs> Ugh. 
Um, yeah. Many of the early pictures are set in 19th century Europe, like the novels they were based on. That is why in this episode, we get the whole Oktoberfest theme mm-hmm. and we get to see Dean and Lederhosen. That's right. right? It's, a, it's a nod to those early uh those early 19th century European references. It's a nod. Set design, cinematography, and music borrowed heavily from the German Expressionism film movement. Yep. German filmmaker Carl Frind, uh, known for the uh, Randy Newman pop culture, you've got a friend in me. Um, <laughs> or for, the, you know, his uh, all of his fans, the fan side, of course, called Friends of Frind. Friends of Frind. <laughs> and they made a sitcom about him, uh, about six versions of him living uh, in a loft in New York, it was called Frunes. Anyway, <laughs> he was a cinematographer yeah. and shot the 1931 classic Dracula. Mm-hmm. And he really set the mood and tone and look for many of Universal's monster movies for years to come, not to mention NBC's entire Thursday night lineup <laughs> of sitcoms <laughs> in the 90s. Uh, Universal was able to maintain market leadership due to the deals it structured with on-screen talent, such as Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr., no relation, kidding, Bella Lugosi, and Boris Karloff. Many of the original film locations of these classic movies still exist at Universal Studios Hollywood. So get yourself a tour at Universal Studios Hollywood, a studio that brings movies to life before your very eyes. I started there. That was my first summer job after after college. Yeah, you did. I worked at Universal Studios as the Wolfman. Yeah, there you go. The Lon Chaney, like wearing a rubber suit and walking around. Couldn't make noise, but I could do this, which for people who can't see me, it's just me raising my arms like I'm the Wolfman and I'm going to attack. Like he's going to go rawr, but he couldn't say anything. Yeah, but I can't go rawr. And it was so hot outside when you did it that after 20 minutes, you'd go back, you'd take your hat, your your head off and you'd- The big rubber rubber head, uh, mask and I'd take it off and just dump it out like a bucket of water. Splash. So much it sweat. Would, it would hit the ground. Yep. And you weighed 90 Total. pounds. You weighed 90 pounds. Um, by the way, you know, you didn't hear a lot of bitching about Nepo babies back then and yet there's Lon Chaney Jr. Just, you know, just stepping oh, into man. the big clunky yeah. boots of the old man. Yeah. One of the first uh, major nepotism, uh, cases of nepotism. I'll- I wonder if Carl Frund would scream, that's Nepo baby. Uh, I, I heard Carl. Every time he'd come Carl on Carl Frund really frowned upon <laughs> nepotism. Oh, you don't want to get the Frund frowned. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, next to the Barrymores, I can't think of a. More obvious nepotism. Any friend of Frund is a friend of, of mine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, those, uh, those, uh, those movies were classic. This episode, I mean, this section of mythology was brought to you by Universal Studios Hollywood. The step into the movie making and want to come to life before your very eyes. Um, hey, Robbie, did you ever, can you picture Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr.? Like the two, the father-son I duo? could not. I, I can picture a Lon Chaney, but I don't know if it's senior or junior. Right. And I, I don't think it gets a lot of shoe leather, but that's kind of a trip that they both did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, It wasn't like Lon Chaney was a monster guy and Lon Chaney Jr. was more of a banjo comedy act. You know, yeah. they, they were doing the same thing. Yeah, they did the same thing. Yeah, interesting. Like you and your dad. <laughs> exactly, exactly the same thing. <laughs> Every now and then I'll call dad and I'll say, hey, oh, mom answered. What's dad doing? Oh, you know, he's just hosting a convention in the living room. <laughs> Got his microphone. His, his buddy Robert came over. <laughs> They're goofing around. Um, all right, here we go. It's time for Fun Facts. Fun Facts. Fun Facts. The aliases Sam and Dean use in this episode are Angus and Young. Angus Young, of course, was the guitar player 
for ACDC. He still is the guitar player for ACDC. Sure is. How dare you use past tense? To make Jensen Ackles feel more comfortable wearing Lederhosen during the shooting, director Bob Singer wore a pair as well. Aw. And famously, A-camera operator Brad Creaser was pantless. <laughs> but that's not just for this episode. <laughs> no, that's just any given, any given weekday. <laughs> that's right. Sam finds Ed Brewer in the Goethe Theater. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe was a German writer who wrote the famous play Faust, which had the main theme of selling your soul to a demon. They did the play Faustus when I was at University of Southern California as a theater student. And you know who the star of that play was, Robert? Uh, Timothy Amundsen. Timothy Amundsen played Faustus. Uh, Ruth was in that play as well. Ruth Connell. A lot of people don't know this, but Tim Amundsen and I were fruins in college. (laughs) My girlfriend, Ruth, was in that same play. Mm, I wonder if she uh, also knows Tim Amundsen. Wouldn't that be ironic? Uh, When the shapeshifter shot by Jamie, he states, was Beauty the Beast. This is, of course, a reference to a line spoken near the end of the 1933 film King Kong. That's not what I thought that was going to say. And Jack Black did the same Uh, ending line of the remake of King Kong. Oh, really? When Sam walks by the stairs in the movie theater, there's a poster for the 1953 film, The House of Wax. (laughs) Jared Padalecki co-starred in the 2005 remake of that film. If that's a fact you didn't know about, it's because no one saw the movie. (laughs) And I certainly didn't know. When the shapeshifter is Dracula, he refers to everyone as characters from Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula. Dean is Harker, Jamie is Mina, Sam is Van Helsing. There's also a character named Lucy. What a, f- a fun-filled, fact-filled podcast this has been. Yeah, man, this is a great one. Two interviews. Of, uh, each one of those gentlemen can anchor a show on their own as an interview, and yet we got them both. We got them. Uh, and that's just fantastic. We got them both. We got uh, so many fun facts and mythologies, and we had a good time doing it. And we hope you did, yeah, too. We sure did. And um, anytime we get an opportunity to talk to Ben Edlund, and or Jay Gruska. It's just it's going to be a great it's going to be a great episode of the podcast. But this was also a uniquely interesting episode in general. So so super fun to pull it apart. This is pro- some of our more fun fun facts and interesting mythologies as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, all right. We'll see you in the next one. Yeah, we will. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars include the fantastic Todd Stashwick, Melinda Sward, Sward. Melinda Sward, Holly Elisa, Holly Elisa, and Michael Eklund. No relation to Ben Edlund. Right. Monster Movie was written by Ben Edlund and directed by Robert Singer. Editing by Nicole Bayer, music by Jay Greska. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. This episode originally aired on October 16th, 2008. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Hayda Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Betty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. This episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And become a member of the podcast at www.patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now.
he describes the classic Dracula vampire from the 1930s films. Fangs, cap, accent, cap? What's the... Uh, <laughs> I was reading that too going... I don't remember him wearing a baseball hat. Or like a, or like a golfer, you know, like a golfer's... When Sam walks by their stairs in the movie theater, when Sa they own a pair of stairs? Recording in progress. Thanks for letting me know, government. Sam finds Ed Brewer in the Goethe Theater. John Wolfgang von Goethe. I'm going to say, how do you pronounce I'm going to say Johan. Yeah, but, oh yeah, Johan. But how do you say, how do they say the last name? You know, that old classic Dracula look. Yeah, you know, fangs, cap, accent. <laughs> I'm going to be a vampire this Halloween. Uh, thigh high boots. All right, now you take this next paragraph, Richard. Oh, okay. <laughs> Storybell Media.